0: <laughs> um, man, I'm so glad to be here with y'all again tonight. It is an honor uh, to get to share with you God's word. Um, I know we've opened up in prayer, but um, until um, until the end of this study uh, and or until there's no more sick within our church, um, I, I, my intention is that we open up praying specifically for our sick Um, and I, I, one thing that I never want to do in this, I know last week I mentioned Donna specifically, um, and I know everybody's got stuff going on, um, and if we did it all by, you know, one by one, um, it would, it would take us forever. What I want us to do though, is if you are sick here tonight, or if you have someone on your heart who is sick and in need of healing, um I just want you to raise your hand. Um church, look around. Uh we have a lot of needs and 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 I want you to know that though our healing may not be uh what's gonna come, it may in fact be that that God has for us suffering. Uh, we're gonna pray for healing knowing that God is powerful enough to do it and also having faith enough in Him that whatever the outcome might be for us that we will to the end of our days say for Your glory and Your name's sake. Uh, So that no matter what this life may have for us that whether it be healing or whether it be sickness and death because ultimately friends we're all going to the grave unless Christ comes back. Uh, Death is coming for us. Uh, but our hope is beyond the grave. And our hope is in lives that are incorruptible. And those lives are found in Christ. So I want us to open up in prayer. Uh, for all those who are sick tonight, um, and and then we'll begin in Scripture. Lord, I thank You again. Uh, we can't thank You enough. You are so uh, beautiful. You are so glorious. Your ways are so beyond our searching out. Uh, there are many, even... By the showing of the hands here tonight who are sick or have someone on their hearts who is sick. And, and I pray specifically for your healing in their lives, Lord. But we, we know, Lord, that, that if it isn't your will, that you have greater in store than just earthly health, God, that our hope is ultimately in a healing and in a health and a prosperity that is not found here, but is found in Christ, is found in the hope that we have in Him. And I pray, Lord, as difficult as it can be for us, Lord, and I, I don't I don't say this having never endured any kind of trials myself, and, and and I know that none who would stand and say would say it as though they they make light of the weight of the trials of this world, but I know that that when we look back from eternity, that we will weigh the the, the trials and the tribulations that we face here, and and like Paul in Romans eight eighteen, we will find them unworthy to be compared of your glory, and and that does not make little the trials that we face here, but that makes big the glory that awaits us, and and I pray as we dig through the scriptures, as we dig through this book. Uh, or your gospel is made so clear to us that we would see the power that you have and that, you, that we would see that the hope that we have is in Christ and it's it's not in this world it's not in what we could achieve in this world or what we could hope for in this world but that this world is here to prepare us for the next so that our hope is in Christ and it is in the resurrection and we know that there all these things will will pale in comparison as we stand together around the throne of the Lamb who was slain, who is now the Lion, victorious. Lord, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and I thank you, and I pray as we dig through your Word tonight, that your Word would take and dig deep into our hearts. Lord, break up those stony places, break up those hardened places in a way that only your Word can do, that only your Holy Spirit can do in our lives, that we would be brought closer and closer to you, Lord, that Your Gospel would be made clear to us and that we would be emboldened by it to go out into this world, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our families, living lives that point to the glory of Christ. Not living lives that are beaten and pressed down by the trials, but living lives that show that when we're pushed beyond measure that we have someone that holds us, that holds us and keeps us. And I just pray that for us, for this church, uh, for your people here, that that would be a constant echo in our ears as the world would try to tell us that these things are making us hopeless and looking silly and foolish, that we would see the power of God working in the darkest of days and that you would get glory from it. It's in Christ's name and all of this is for His glory. Amen. So we're going to be today in a couple of different places. Uh, specifically, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, 16. sixteen. Um, we're going to be looking at you know a lot of times if you look in scripture, you'll see like when people refer to it, they'll refer to it as sixteen. They may would say like A or B or I'm going to call it C because we're going to look at three three things out of Romans chapter one, verse sixteen. What we looked at last week. Uh, We kind of examined this phrase where Paul is saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And and we looked at, and and what I was hoping last week is that we would kind of uncover or maybe remember the shame of the cross, right? And, And we looked at the cross from the point of view of the Jews. We looked at it from the point of view of The Gentiles, we looked at it from the point of view of the persecuted church, persecuted people, and ultimately we saw that that what we're presenting and what we're preaching is a crucified king rejected by his own people, right? And that to the world, this sounds so foolish, and many times this can lead us to a point, and I think oftentimes it does, and this is probably the reason that we... That we fail maybe in some regards to share the gospel when opportunities are presented is that many times we find ourselves ashamed of it or maybe ashamed of our understanding of it. So I hope that as we dig through this, that we ourselves come to the same conclusion that Paul has come to, that we will stand and we will be able to say, for I am not ashamed. Right? Though you may laugh and though you may sneer, I see The same thing Paul sees here. And this is what I want us to understand as we dig through this, is that there are many things that when we look at about the cross and a crucified and rejected Savior that seem very, very shameful The one thing that I want us to understand, and this is going to take us probably weeks and weeks and weeks of digging to kind of come out the other end of this, but I want you to be looking for it, is that there must be something so overwhelming and so powerful that it takes all of these things that seem shameful and cause us, instead of feeling shame, to cause us to feel boasting. Like Paul would say things like he boasts in the cross of Christ. Right? Like, these are things, something in the Gospel causes this change in us. Something in the truth of what's taking place in us causes what would seem utterly foolish to everyone else and causes it to change to be life for us. Right? So, I want us to understand that and I want us to dig through that over the coming weeks. So I want you to be looking for that, right? And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about it tonight. I may ask you a couple of questions. Um, Just know that what we do tonight, again, will likely just bring a couple of questions that are going to be lingering that we're going to spend the next coming weeks really digging in and, and feeling out. So we're going to look at the next part of this. So verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. I want us to consider and I want us to think about this word. The gospel that he's speaking of here, he's calling it the power of God. Now one thing that I want us to, to think about immediately in this is, whose power then is it not? If it's the power of God, then whose is it not? Okay, now, maybe I have a version that's translated differently, and maybe somebody else has one out there that has a footnote or a comma or something in there that says, the power of God by your help or by your aid or by your assistance. Is there anybody out there that's got a heretical Bible with us? (laughs) Nobody? Okay, good. So, whose power is it? And what kind of power does God have? All power, okay? Now we're going to dig into this. I want us to think about this. So I'm just going to pose some questions to you. I'm going to say, is there anything that God can't do? We'll say, fail? Is there anything that God can't do? Lie? Go against His character. So the lying, the failing, the going against the character, all speaks to one central truth. That God cannot deny who He is, and God cannot do anything contrary to His nature, right? So I want us to get—I want us to get, get this—so that when we say God can do all things, that we don't include a lot of things in that. Failing would be one. God will never fail, right? God cannot go back on a promise that He's made, which is going to be a big—a big part of. Paul spends 9, 10, and 11, chapters 9, 10, and 11, dealing with this this idea of can can God fail in His promises, right? And, and he's going to come to a particular conclusion. What do you think that conclusion is going to be? No, right? But it's a it's an important question that he poses there. Clearly he spends three chapters on it, right? And it's going to give us some really deep and fundamental understanding about who God is and what God is doing in everything so that we can bridge this theological themes that have been going on from chapter 1 to chapter 8 over into some practical living it out kind of things in chapter 12 through the end of the book right so there's this big picture that we're looking for in here and all of it I want you to get this and I want you to understand this that it is God's power at work in all of it right it's not your power and and we get in trouble a lot of times because we think that it is And a lot of times I think we get ourselves into situations in our lives where we really find ourselves churning or wrestling over things that maybe we shouldn't be wrestling with because we still have that tendency to believe that it is in some way our power, right? That it's going to be our power that overcomes that particular situation. Or maybe it's just me, but but sometimes I feel like it's... And maybe it'll be my power that helps me overcome a particular sin or a particular struggle that I have in my life. And you know what? God will show us time and time and time again. And God will allow us. God will allow us to go out and to struggle in those things so that when we fail, that He can clean up that mess to show to us even more clearly that it is by His power. In his power alone, so we 're going to look at a couple of three different particular aspects of salvation um, kind of the the when I say salvation in in that regard i don 't mean just the justification uh, before God, but salvation from start to finish, if you will from from justification to the point that we step forward into glory in the next life. When I speak of salvation, generally you can think of me speaking of it in, in that kind of holistic sense and not just the day that you were justified before God or the day that you came to Him for the first time, but that whole process is going to continue throughout your lives. And, and and I want you to know it's not going to be you that gets you from point A to point B or C, right? When we cover this word power of God, for what? Do we have it up there? The power of God, mine says for The ASV says, unto salvation. So when we think, when this word here, He's not just, He's not just, now He is including justification here, but He's not just speaking of the point where you first come to God. He's talking about this power is the wholesale thing. Right? It's the power of God from start to finish. See, and and sometimes what'll happen is that we can get on board with the idea that it's God who justifies us, right? And this is why I want us to get to to grasp that it's the power of God through the whole thing. Because what we'll think is that God did His work, and now I do mine, right? We live in such a way as Christians that that I'm now I'm made right before Him, and a lot of times that'll be skewed or you know maybe messed up a little bit. I'm all right before Him. As long as I don't do something, now maybe he loves me a little less because I sin too much this week or something like that. Like, like that God didn't love you before you were born and like he wasn't working in the cross before your parents knew that you would be. Right? So, so I want us to understand from start to finish God's work, not God does something and then at some point along the way we now, now he's got us up on our feet and now we press forward in our, in our own power, under our own might. It's God's power. To a full and complete salvation. Now this is a powerful thing to understand that it is God the whole way. There's some things that are going to fall out from this along the way, right? What, what could you, I'm going to ask you a question. What could be some things that would fall out of a, of a salvation that's from God from start to finish? What would you, I'll go ahead and give it to you. I'm not afraid that I'm going to miss it. Right, I'm not afraid that I'm going to miss it. I'm not afraid that tomorrow I'm going to do something stupid and He's going to change His mind about me. Right? Because it's not my power to overcome, it's God's power to salvation. God's power unto salvation. God's power for salvation. So what was the thing that we said God could not do? Fail was one of them. Fail was one of them. So I want to stop. To get that, grasp that, it's God doing it, God does not fail, cannot fail in the plans that He set forth. Why? Because He is powerful. Because He is powerful. How powerful is He? All-powerful. Now, what does that look like? I want you to think about because we, when we consider the power of God, we will tend to, like I say, footnote it with things. Like, like, I'll go ahead and tell you, likely a large majority of you give powers and principalities, including Satan and all those who follow them, way too much credit. Right? Y'all give him the kind of credit like when God called... The angels together, and we see this picture in Job, like Satan had any other option except for to be there. When God calls, even Satan hears the call and must respond to him appropriately. God is all powerful. Right? I mean, I want you, just the one place you go look in Job and God's got the angels together and there's Satan. I mean, this is the guy that's like saying, no, I'm not gonna do things. Or this would be the one place. Give account to God for what I've been doing. God's like, where are you been? He's like, I ain't going to tell you. Not today, God. God says, where are you been? He's to and fro. To and fro. You know. I mean, but we do. Now, this is not to downplay that there are some powers that, that may end up with your head rolling, Right? There's some powers in this world that might end up with your head rolling. But what I'm saying to this is your head won't roll unless He gives the right to that. So that all those who are sick, your breath today, by His Word and His power. You think you're healthy today? Your life tomorrow, by His Word and His power. No one dies that it didn't come past Him first. Do we get that? He gives life and He takes away. Right? So we're talking about an all-powerful God. A God that is in control. Now we're going to look at a couple of places in Scripture that I want us to kind of get a grasp of this. The first is going to be the opening verse of Genesis chapter 1. So go there, go there with me. I think again, sometimes we we'll probably take these kind of verses for granted. I want us to kind of get an idea of the power of God, even in the opening of this book. I'll give y'all a second to get there. Are your pages still going? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. So in the beginning, what? God. In the beginning, God. So we can tell a couple of things straight out from this. Is that there was a beginning. And science is starting to catch up with that now. Right? The last hundred or so years. Like, you know, people, okay, maybe the maybe the universe is not eternal. And it's not. It had a very definite beginning. It began to exist. But before that, because at the beginning... Or in the beginning, God. The eternal God exists. Nothing else exists. And then what happens? He speaks it into existence. Do we get this? God says, verse 6, or excuse me, verse 3, let there be light. And what is there? Do you think the light thought of rebelling? I'll stay in darkness just a little longer, possibly. No. God speaks and it exists. So God speaks and the heavens and earth come from nothing. See, I want you to get something. When we make, we make from something. God can make from absolutely nothing, right? And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. I mean God speaks everything else into existence. That's what this opening verse tells us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, He didn't do it in some Greek mythology kind of way, where He took some other... Pre existing matter and reformed it and reshaped it. No, he had nothing. When we build, we build with stuff. God can build it from nothing. That's powerful. Right? And now you look out into the heavens, and Dad and I were having this conversation while we were working on the top of a house in the Bahamas or on the beach. I'm going to stick with the top of the house, though, because it sounds more, I don't know, pious, you know. <laughs> you messed me up, Kip. <laughs> While we were on the beach in the Bahamas, let me start over. <laughs> we were considering this, and I was telling him about, and and, and it's called the deep space, um, what is it called? Now I'm going to forget it because I'm thinking about <laughs> soaking in the sun on the beach <laughs> It's is the deep space scan, right? And what they did is they pointed the Hubble telescope at an inch, what would be to us looking out in the night sky, an inch square of darkness. And they let it sit there. I believe it was for like 90 days. So it's like a long exposure. And they they get this image back and they find tens of thousands of points of light. And we're not talking about stars. We're talking about galaxies. Many of which are many, many, many times larger than our galaxy. And at this point I was having to kind of explain a little bit to dad what galaxy was. I was like... You know, we're in a galaxy, so we're on an earth that's in a solar system that's around a star. That star is in a galaxy that is filled with hundreds of thousands, if not millions or billions of other stars. And that galaxy is one of just a little inch in the sky, thousands upon thousands of other galaxies. So far away, you would literally never be able to get there. It's taken eons for the light to reach us. God speaks into existence. And He's just now allowed us to start glimpsing out at just how big and powerful that is. And you know what we're going to do? Whether we look, to the heights of heaven, or whether we look down to the depths of our own DNA, you know we're going to find that we serve a God who is powerful beyond all comprehension, that He speaks and galaxies come into existence, and they do not rebel at the word that He speaks to them. They do, as they're told. This is a powerful, powerful God, Right? I want us to get this. And I want you to understand also that at this very moment, your existence is dependent on God holding you in existence. Do you got me? Right? So not only does He speak us into existence, but He sustains us in existence. Right? This is everything. I want you to get this. This is everything. Right? If God so chose nothing, unless it would in some way go against his character, which I would say in all likelihood it would, (laughs) otherwise he wouldn't have done what he's done. So he's not going to and everything not be, right, because his character is dictating that his plan plays out, right? So we got this plan that God's working Ultimately, we see Christ coming on the scene and there's something, there's a story being told that's much bigger than us, much more grand than us. Let's go and let's look in Hebrews. Now, you could go and look in Job and there's an I'm going to I'm going to flip there just for just for the sake. Job chapter 38. I'll be here just briefly. I just want to read one thing. Um, If you want to go to Job 38, verse four. This is God speaking, and I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go and read this next piece. So Job 38, verse 4. God is responding to Job at the end of all this, and if you want to see how powerful God is, read 38, 39. Read through the rest of this this book here, and he lays out, and he's like letting Job have it. Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Right? Who laid the foundation of the earth? Okay. Okay, now I want us to go over, and we're going to look at a couple of things first. Um, In Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at... Verse 10, and then we're going to go back up and look at the other. I want to do verse 10 so that we have the effect of what we just read there in Job, because Hebrews chapter 1 here is speaking specifically of Christ. So it's saying this about Christ. Verse verse 8 it says, But of the Son he says, and then he goes into a little spill there, and then verse 10 he says, And, so this means he's also speaking of the Son, he's also speaking about Christ. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Right? When Moses is going to the people of Israel and he's like, Who am I going to say he sent me? Who does he say? I am. I am that I am. I am that which I will be, right? He's the only one that can make that statement. Because every single one of us are held together by His very Word. And we go back up into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 we'll start. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke, to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So the world was created through whom, Christ. Get this. Understand this. This is not Plan B. This was not. Oh, they fail. Now let's do something else. All right. Verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact. Imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the Word of His power. Who upholds the universe? Who? God? Specifically by name, our Savior, the Son, Jesus Christ, upholds the universe by His very Word. And when we say universe, what do we mean? If you go back to Genesis, it says... He created the heavens and the earth as everything. That's what we call the universe. What does Christ uphold by His very Word? Everything that exists, exists by His Word. All of this, all of this is to tell you that we serve a God who is more powerful than you think, know, or will ever know. And I'm telling you this because we will one day step forward into eternity. And you can hope in this that you will still never fully know how powerful God is. Because He is powerful beyond searching out. Right? You will not get there and then one day find that you've discovered all the depths of God. He's too deep. That given an eternity, it's still not possible. This is a powerful, powerful powerful, powerful God. And yet we go through our life, and this is why I say that we give Satan and and the demons and all that way too much credit. We go through our lives and we we act like, man, they're tripping me up today. Right? Man. Let Let me tell you, I want to get together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and I want to tell you about the hard times Man, I know we go through hard times. I know this. But we need to get it in our mind that we serve a God who is so much bigger than our hard times. Right? He's so much bigger than our hard times. And I want you to get this. That, that smaller things can sometimes block out bigger things. Right? So, we see solar or, or eclipses where the moon has gotten in between us and the sun... And the sun is blocked out. But this is not because the sun has stopped shining or it's any less bright. It's because something significantly smaller is blocking our view of it. And this is the way that we live oftentimes with hindered views of the majesty and the glory of the God that we serve. And I want us, as we dig into the Gospel and we press into this, I'm not ever going to tell you that the trials that you're dealing with or that you're going through are small or insignificant because they matter, right? There's not one tear that you have ever shed that God has missed. But what I want you to know, and it's the only hope that we can rest in, is that there's something greater than that. There's something beyond that. Right? I want us to get that. I want us to hold on to that because that's the hope that the gospel presents us. Right? That's the hope that the gospel presents us. And that's the hope that we lose grip on when we start focusing on what the gospel can do for me for getting me more money or a better job or you know those things are important but those things are only important in so much that you use them for the glory of God's kingdom and God's name we've gone through Ecclesiastes and if we place value in them for themselves what do we find? Vanity of vanities in all of it, right? So hopefully through all of that study, we've started having our minds and our, our ideas readjusted as to what it is that this is all about, right? What it is that this is all about. So now let's go back and let's look at this. And we're going to look at three aspects that we're going to, over the course of the next however long, be pressing into in regards to the power of God for salvation, right? So, 16, uh, chapter 1 of Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I would tell you that he's not ashamed because he's gotten out from behind the eclipse. He's floated out into space, and he's, he sees the glory of the sun unhindered, Right? And because of this, he sees it. So all of these things make fun, life. Well, you know? Yeah, I see something that you don't see. I see something that you don't see, and I want you to see it. I want you to see it because if you see it, it'll make those things that you think are foolish make perfect sense. Make perfect sense. And, and I'll go so far as to say that it's the only way that this world will ever make sense. Alright? That's the hope. It can only be found in the gospel, and it is the power of God. And it's not the power of God for just random arbitrary things, but it's the power of God for something very specific. That that thing is your salvation or for salvation. Right? So this power that speaks and universe comes into existence. This power that speaks and universe remains in existence. The same one as it were. In salvation, right? Your salvation. Believer, your salvation is being worked out by the God of all creation, right? I, I wish that would just sink in for us. I wish that would just like go down deep into our bellies and we would just like chew on that for a little bit. This God working. Right? Like, you want to find significance in this world? You think about that the God that spoke this world into existence has you on his mind, had you on his mind from the foundation of the world. Right? I mean, this is some big, I mean, that's the only place that you could find significance worth anything, is if you find that significance in Christ, in the cross, like, let us not find it in jobs or in other people or in what we think of ourselves. Let us find our significance in the one place that it was intended to be found. Right? That's in God. In Christ. Above all things. That's the only place. Now I want us to look at this for salvation and we're actually pretty close to being done this evening. Because we got, like I say, weeks and weeks and weeks to... Dig deeper and deeper still. So the three aspects of this that I want us to, to understand. So God's working in all of these. These are the, the, if you're going to divide up salvation as a whole into parts. And y'all have heard me use the terms uh, justification, sanctification, and then our ultimate hope for glorification. Uh, So these are those three aspects and how God is the one working those things. We're going to look at a couple of places in Scripture that we're going to be digging towards over the weeks to come. Uh, The first would be in in regards to our sanctification, or excuse me, our justification, our being made right before God or being justified before God. Uh, We're going to find this in Romans chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 22 is where we'll start. Right? That's a lot. I mean, Paul, for whatever, we're, we're, you know, two weeks in now on verse 16. Just wait till we get to things like this. We're gonna be the same way there. Like I, this is why I honestly don't know how long it's gonna take us to get through this book. <laughs> maybe a year, maybe two years. Because we're gonna get to places like this and where we don't have time tonight to dig in detail by detail. Uh, we will at some point dig in detail by detail. But I want you to get, as we're pushing in a fuller and fuller view that just keeps getting, keeps getting filled in by Scripture. So the one thing that I want us to see here is that it is in no part what we are doing here. There's no work that we have to do to do this. It is a gift of God. We're justified by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward. Right? So there's none of this that's us doing. And I want us to understand something else too. There was none of this us asking for that either. Right? God's putting forward Christ. Right? It's God's work to redeem. Do we get this? Right? So it's not your stipulations or your, on your terms. Uh, I want us to get that too. That salvation's is, is an on God's terms and on God's measure and by His will and purpose kind of thing. And not a, I'll do this or I'll do that or I'll do it when I get ready, right? I I think a lot of times when we start thinking about salvation, we think of it in that way. Like, I'll do it when it's time, right? Or when I get this out of my life or when I get to this point in my life. And what I want us to get, what I want us to get is it's not on your terms, right? It's not on your terms. It's on God's terms, right? That's a big thing that I think that we that we really make light of, or that we trample on salvation when we try to act like it's something that's on our terms or by our thing. Like like that, I could somehow do something and 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 mess you up, Shane. Right? Like I can I can somehow the God that speaks everything into existence. I can I, like I need to say one extra word. If I if I say one extra thing, then maybe you'll get saved. Right, And this, this is a freeing kind of thing, especially for preachers. I want, you to, I want you to get this. When you understand that it's not by your effort, not by your working, that you open this book up and that God speaks through this and it's God's working in all respects, that I don't have to do anything. Man, I don't have to give you an altar call if God calls you, friends. I don't. I don't. When God starts calling, man, watch out. You're going to see lives change. You're going to see your own life change. Right? I pray my prayer from the first time that I started preaching to today is that God would move. Because there's no amount of movement that I could do. There's no amount of coaxing that I could do that would cause genuine salvation for a soul. Do you get that? So we must... Pray that God moves. And if He moves, if He moves, watch out. Watch out. Who, like I say, who can stop when He says, let there be light? Who steps in and says, we're going to hold off on that for another minute or two? Right? Wow, I don't want us to get this. It's God's gift, God's work, God's timing, God's power. For salvation, He makes you right before Him, right? So, I don't, Christian, if you are a believer and if you've been called by Christ and you think God somehow sees you poorly or badly, you are defaming the name of Christ and the work of Christ. Get this. That if you think God thinks little of you as a believer, then you think that the work that Christ did is somehow ineffective for you. Right? Whose work is it? God's work. For what? Almost salvation? Just about got you there. Salvation? Some in part salvation? It's God's work for salvation. God's work unto salvation. This is... Lord, let this sink into our hearts. Let this sink into our minds. And it was not free or without cost. Okay? And I know as soon as I say salvation is not free, hold on. I didn't have to pay anything. Right? Like we we start getting offensive, especially if I say something's not free. I want to say that that your salvation came at the highest cost. A cost that you could never pay. And it's given to you. Right? That would be like saying that I gave you a car and it cost nobody nothing. It cost somebody something. Right? Somebody made it. Somebody went through the expense of it. Right? And you take that gift and it was completely free. It cost nothing. You know what you do with a gift like that? I'm going to get a couple of little dents in it, it ain't going to matter. Right? You waste it. It means nothing. You think little of it. But if you know the cost at which that gift was given, that gift means a lot more. It carries a lot more weight. The kind of weight that the Holy Spirit uses in our lives to press us forward out of things. Right? So let us understand the weight, the cost, the expense that went into what seems sometimes to you like it might have cost nothing. It cost everything. The most Precious of gifts, laid bare on a cross, shamefully placed on display. So let's not think that it cost nothing, because it cost more than you could ever pay. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. The gift that was given to you is a gift that you could never work to get. Right? Right? It's a gift that you could never, given an eternity of working, hope to pay back. Get that. Get that. It's a gift that you did not know that you needed until somebody presented the Word to you and the Word pierced you. You did not seek after God. And we're going to get that and when we dig on into Scripture. So he ends that verse there, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. This propitiation holds off what wrath would come to you. Christ took the wrath due us. right? So God did not sweep under the rug. right? And this is one of the important things to understand about salvation. Is that God, if God is just, cannot let sin go unpunished. So God could not give a single one of us a get-out-of-jail-free card. Or we would say He's unjust. Just like a judge who let the person that murdered your son get off scot-free, you would say that's an unjust judge. We all stand in the same position before God if He does not punish sin. Yet He's paid the ultimate cost Himself. He's put forward the ultimate cost Himself. In His Son, He put forward His Son. He was not coerced into this. Do we get that? He was not begged into this. Do we get that? That God put forward His Son for you. Again, you want to find value, worth, meaning? Let that sit down on you, believer. Let that sit down on you. I pray that it crushes every amount of depression that presses in on us from every side. And I know we deal with this. I know that we deal with this. I know that we do. But I know that God is powerful. I know that He's powerful. And I know that He can press in more than the darkest of days can press in. God is Powerful. Let us rest and sleep and eat in the weight of the truth of the Gospel. Because it is in this that we will find freedom, hope, and all that we think we're going to find in other places will be satisfied there and there alone. So let's go on to the next thing. So, justifying us before God his own work, not our work. In chapter 6, we're going to look specifically at verse 6. This is in the sanctifying work of the setting us free, so He's made us right before Him. That's the justifying work. He's justified us in the work of Christ. I want you to get something else. And this is going to take much digging through. Chapter 6, 7, 8. We're going to have to get through all of that to really, so that, so that what we're going to be saying here simply will come out, right? So I'm going to tell you where we're going and then we're going to dig to get there. I want us to have to work to get there so that we see the treasure that it really is. So chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old selves was Our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, I want you to, I want you to get this, and like I say, that this is gonna take a good deal of working, and it's okay if you come out of this tonight. Not grasping it, my prayer is that you would just press into Scripture to find these things out. But I want you to to know that the work that God has done has freed you from the power of sin. It has freed you from the power of sin. When you did not know that you needed to be freed from the power of sin, believer, the cross has freed you from the power of sin. And again, you're going to be questioning, well, why is it that I sin?" And again, I'm going to say, press into the Scripture here. We're going to find these kind of things out. Why it is that sin remains. But I want us to know that ultimately, you have been bought with a high price and set free so that you can live. Right? So you can live for God. So I want us to see this, and we're going to, again, we're going to press into this over the weeks to come, but you have been made right before God. You have been set free from the power of sin, the power of sin which leads us and tends us towards death. Now we can walk in light, we can chase after the things of God. We can live lives giving glory to God, because the work that God is doing, the work that God is doing for us, is setting us free from the sin that has held us captive for so long. So this gospel that we're going to be digging into over the weeks to come is going to be showing us how we're made right, how we're made free from the power ultimately And I want y'all to get this and, and I would, I would go so far as to say that God has allowed the world in the way that it is so that you will one day, in glory, look at sin in the same way that Christ looks at sin so that you will not desire sin. Now that's a, that's a big thing because our flesh desires sin. So we oftentimes, though we're free, find ourselves being entangled once again because these bodies that are dying and decaying, good riddance, one day we'll say. Right now, we want to cling so tightly to them. One day, we'll be glad to be freed from them. And I'm not telling you freed so that you're a fluttery ghost. I'm telling you that you're going to have a body like Christ has a body. Right? That you will be raised to life again. Free. Completely. Not only from the power, but from the very presence of sin. It will not tempt you. Any longer. There is coming a day. Where we are freed from it. Together. To live for eternity. In the presence of God. For the glory of the Son. That He sent to die for us. And we're going to see this. And ultimately again. All of this. None of our work. All of His work. Right? From start to finish. All of it. Is His work. And, and I, I, y'all have heard this scripture a hundred times Or more from me probably. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at 28 through the end of chapter 8 there. We are pressing on in the weeks to come to get to these kind of passages of text. there's so much hope here. Right? And we tend to, just because of the way that we are, we tend to just pick these things out. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to appreciate these passages of text so much more when you've had to fight to get there. Right, when you've had to wrestle through Scripture to get to here, and you see it, maybe a little less hindered by the thing that's blocking you, right? as God over the weeks to come through His Word kind of sheds off many of those things, and we can see these kind of passages of Scripture as clearly, maybe not fully, but as clearly as we can in this world, that we will start to hold and hope in these in such a way that it causes our lives to be lived differently verse 28 of chapter 8 and we know and I'm going to tell you uh, my prayer has been that you would know that when we get here that you will be able to say with him and agree with him that you in fact know right I'm not looking for us to get here and you kind of think right I'm looking to convince you as we go along so that when we get here you know and we know that for those who love God all things not some things not most things but all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Whose purpose? His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. This is the promise that we have. Right? God's working in you to conform you into the image of Christ. This is big. And this takes, trust me, this takes a lot of work in us. God's doing a big work. It's not a small work that He's doing in my life. It's not a small work that He's doing in your life to conform you. But He is. This is the promise that we have, that He's conforming us in the image of His Son in order that we or that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified and we've touched on this before and you know what i'm saying when i say glorified right the same god who cannot fail in his promises has promised this to you you are in his sight glorified right he doesn't say will be he justified he glorified past tense believer He justified. He also glorified. And then Paul gets here. Verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, and this is the primary justification for this, why no one can stand against you. Why there's no darkness or principality in this world that will hold you, believer. Because God spared no expense for you. If He paid some small fee for you, okay, we'll debate it then, right? But He spared no expense for you. The expense that He paid shows you His intention for you. Shows you how serious He is about this thing that He's doing. He did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Or Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sakes? Or for your sake. Whose namesake a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this? Whose namesake is this for? Christ. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friends, do you get that? Do you get that? Who's sick? Who's sick? in it, in it, in the midst of it, when death is knocking at the door, you are in fact more than a conqueror. Because death has been subdued by the One who speaks and it comes into existence. What death? What death? Can He not speak life Whether we get a couple of more days here, or whether we live on for eternity. What death! More than, not just conquerors. Not just conquerors. Right? Not just, we came in and we took over the promised land. We came in, we took over the promised land. And it will never be taken back again. There's a king who will never be overthrown. More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord can we do a little bit of praise can we do a little bit of praise